it's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted, independent, American Standard Air dealer. Owner Chris Wedekin sells the ductless Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, which is a great option to heat and cool individual spaces while blending into the decor. If you want your poker room to be dressed up, you could take a vinyl wrap and put on these. If you like the more modern look, they have styles in black, silver, and pearl white that would be more aesthetically pleasing for your rooms. Find out more at absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted, independent, American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro Dealer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! This is a pretty interesting hammer. The Indie FOP has issued a statement of support for Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter and his call for a complete review of the criminal justice system here in Marion County this after just abject failures from process, from the prosecutor's office to the left-wing crazy radical judges, even some of the leadership of the Marion County Sheriff's Department. What do you think? First of all, let me make it perfectly clear. They're not all leftist judges. The judge we've been talking about making the biggest mistakes lately was a Holcomb appointee. Now, some of you may joke that still counts as a leftist appointment, <laughs> but this judge Harrison that let this guy off with a slap on the wrist that was driving 120 miles per hour and killed three people. Also the same judge in the past that gave a very sweetheart deal to that lunatic kid on the South side that murdered a couple of his friends. That was a Holcomb appointee. So yes, a lot of the crime falls at the feet of Ryan Mears, the prosecutor and the revolving door. And the fact he doesn't want to lock anybody up Boss Hawk said, takes a lot of blame. He's the head of the snake here in Indianapolis. But some of these judges, Democrat appointees and Republican appointees, they're a problem. So now you've got the superintendent of the Indiana State Police, Doug Carter. He's calling for a complete review of the criminal justice system in Marion County. So here's the thing, Nigel. I don't know what that means, per se. I texted uh, Doug Carter a couple days ago, tried to get him to come on the show, never heard back. He's a busy guy. Maybe he doesn't like me. That's very well could be the case. Certainly a possibility. I don't like you. (laughs) But I'm curious what this means. Are we looking to get the state involved here? Like, is this something Governor Holcomb needs to be aware of? Is this something the Attorney General Todd Rakita gets his hands on here? Now, I do know the Lieutenant Governor, Suzanne Crouch, is supporting this, but again, we don't know what supporting this really means. And really, when you think about it, we don't even need to review. We know it sucks. Right. More (laughs) ankle monitors on people than anywhere else in America. And we're not even talking about per capita. We're talking about pure numbers. Like, if you are a violent felon, Indianapolis and Marion County is the place for you. Because there's a very good chance you'll serve little, if any time, have an ankle monitor put on, and get back out there on the streets being a pain in the rear end like you were before. So I am curious over the next week, couple weeks, to find out more information of what exactly it is that the state police and Superintendent Carter want to do. By the way, I just got a um, uh, text message from Sergeant John Prine. 
yes. public uh, um, uh, the head of the like the yeah, face PIO. Of the PIO. The superintendent will be available next week. I'll call him and talk to him. Absolutely, about would show. love to. So uh, he's setting it up for us. Because look, I, we have disagreed on some things in the past, but I'm all in on this. The more eyeballs that see what's happening here in Marion County, the dysfunction, the better. And I don't know if anything can change. I don't know what, you know, looking into the process means, but anything to bring eyeballs to the blank show that's been the revolving door of bad guys here. I'm all for that. Uh, Turning our attention to the big story around the country. The Speaker of the House situation. So after toying with the idea of going to D.C. and looking into being the Speaker, Donald Trump is now endorsing Jim Jordan. Yeah, man, I think Trump has a lot going on as it is right now (laughs) with the presidential campaign and indictments and uh, civil trials. I mean, a House Speaker, that's a busy job. Yeah, a lot of responsibility. Right. And as much fun as he would have, and that's the only reason he would do it, because he would have fun, um, I think it's probably best that he endorsed somebody. And he endorsed Jim Jordan, the representative of Ohio. Jim Jordan spoke, I believe this was to CNN earlier today. They, like, chased him down. He had, like, a regular hoodie sweatshirt on and stuff. And they got his thoughts on the Trump endorsement. I appreciate the president's endorsement. He's the leader of the party. He's going to be our, our, our presidential nominee, and I think he's going to be our next president, so I appreciate that. Um, but we're focused also on, you know, the key thing is our, our colleagues. And I'm talking with, um, you know, we got from, from Freedom Caucus to people in the middle to, to committee chairs to Jeff Van Drew, who was Democrat four years ago. We got all kinds of across-the-board support, and we're just going to keep working. Now, he mentions the word support. Those on board of supporting uh, Representative Jordan include Matt Gates, Byron Donalds, Lauren Boebert. We haven't heard from Large Marge yet, Marjorie Taylor Greene, because she was all in on Donald Trump being the speaker. Well, and I think she was a McCarthy ally at one point as well. Which is a little odd. Um, Here is Jim Jordan speaking about what his speakership, if you want to call it that, would be about, and that's smart use of American money and a little less money going to Ukraine. Why should we be sending American tax dollars to Ukraine when we don't even know what the goal is? No one can tell me what the objective is. Is it is it some kind of negotiated peace? Is it driving them out of the eastern Ukraine? Is it driving them out of Crimea, which they've had for 10 years now, but they took during the Obama administration? What is the objective? And so until you can tell me the goal, I don't think we should continue to send money there, particularly when we have the problems we have on our border. So that's fundamental. Uh, I just think that's front and center. And then second, how is the money that's already been sent, how has it, how has it been spent? Yes. What kind of waste is going? Those are two fundamental questions that I think the American taxpayers want to know the answers to before they send any more of their hard-earned money there, particularly you're sending money there to protect Ukraine's border when we got the situation we have on our border. Those are the fundamental questions that we should get answered before we even think about sending more money. Yeah, he hit the nail on the head with oversight of how this money is being spent, where it's going, whose pockets, who's getting rich. I guarantee, after all this is said and done, there's going to be some very rich, corrupt political officials in Ukraine. Including Zelensky. Yeah. Now, not everybody 
is on board with Jim Jordan being the speaker. Uh, Steve Scalise, he's thrown his name in the hat. He's respected by a lot of people in the House, including Representative Andy Barr. Uh, we need, as, 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 as we can all see, we need a unity right now. We need someone who is a uniter, and Steve Scalise is the uniter uh, in our conference right now, someone who has a proven record of bringing uh, our conference together. Now, the House GOP is scheduled to meet on Monday about the speaker fight. And Fox News' Brett Baer, it sounds like he's going to do some sort of joint interview with Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise. Oh, yeah, town hall style, sure. Yeah, from Capitol Hill on his program on Monday. Now, there is one other name that's out there, Representative Kevin Hearn. He's a Republican from Oklahoma. Oh. He could throw his name in the mix. Now, I don't think he has a snowball shot in Hades of winning, but he could free some ballots, cause somebody a vote. And at this point, every single individual vote is important when you're trying to get somebody confirmed and through the process. Nige, yeah. I'm a little disappointed in us. It's the sixth day of October. I can't believe it's taken us this long for the season's first edition of Halloween stuff. Pumpkins, candy, costumes, Halloween stuff. Well, I mean, look, there is a a, a new scary movie out this weekend called Exorcist Believer. Believer. Which is pretty much a direct sequel to the original Exorcist film in 1973. Even has some of the, you know, original stars like Linda Blair reprising her some sort of role in this movie. It looks terrifying. But really, not to be outdone. Please. Hammer and Nigel Studios also has something very scary from the past that still sends chills down people's spines. This weekend, he's back. Something's going on with my daughter. No! No! It's happening to my daughter, too. <laughs> Wherever those girls went, they brought something back with them. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I believe you can help get my daughters back. And the devil never gives up. <laughs> the Exorcist. Belieber. Now showing. Rated R. Not suitable for anyone under 17 with developing musical tastes. So instead of Exorcist Believer, uh, it's exorcist. about Justin Bieber and it's called Belieber. Got it. All right. Hammer and Nigel Studios. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Friday. Oh, good Lord, Allison, never. Is this ever. because I yelled at you earlier? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll never do oh. it again if this is what's going to happen <laughs> afterwards. Please, please. I have Justin Bieber lined up, too. Oh, I'd rather have the Biebs than that. <laughs> I missed a day sitting over in that chair, I tell you. <laughs> <It was an laughs> great time, you, you used know? to produce for Tony Katz, right? I did, yeah. I had the Way back in the, the day. Yeah. How many things were thrown at you? <laughs> How many <laughs> computer screens were broken? I How think many that was boots? on my end, usually. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was breaking things and throwing things over the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so, how many phone calls did you get about the missing monkey? <laughs> like, does the traffic yeah. center, like, were they calling you, like, you're supposed to do something about it? Uh, it the whole thing was, it, we didn't get so many calls as it was just, what the hell is going to be closed because of the missing monkey? And, and you don't have an answer I mean, it's not like that. it was yeah. Godzilla, for Christ's <laughs> sake. <laughs> do you have a tinfoil hat? Oh, uh, yeah, here, yeah, okay, here, put it on. You. Yeah, let, let me... Snug, I like that. Um, <laughs> it's a, that wasn't a monkey. If you look at that picture, that thing's on four legs. That's a dog. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it, that, it, it didn't look like a, a normal, average, everyday monkey. Yeah, you do, you find a guy for owning a dog. Essentially, is what happens. And our eyewitness we had on the show yesterday, Elena, she was telling us that this thing was a little chippy. You know, it was like scratching people, like ripping on pants pockets and things like that. Well, that's what monkeys do, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> when you when you have a, a wild animal that comes from a tree. And you have them in your house as a pet, they're going to just crawl, claw, and scratch you. That's I just lo- and do. I love the old joke that the monkey's already back out on the streets because of Ryan Mears. <laughs> they put an ankle monitor out. on Momo, <laughs> and he's back out. between <laughs> where they found him in the Indianapolis Zoo. <laughs> Matt Bear seems like you would be the kind of guy that if you saw a monkey, you would want to give it a taste of its own medicine, and you throw your poop at him. <laughs> <laughs> I have a visceral reaction like that when I go to the zoo. I you got to let him know who's boss you around don't. there. Listen, if a monkey's out running around, especially if you're on the streets driving your car, there are no right-on reds, and the monkey better obey <laughs> I mean, this story, we joked about it yesterday, and, you know, Elena was fun, but this story is starting to pick up national attention now. Here is one of the people that spotted the monkey, Michael, and Detective Sergeant Bill Carter talking about the safe capturing of Momo. I work from home, so I was in the middle of a meeting, and I just saw something run across my front yard here and at first I thought it was a dog and then realized it was the monkey that's on the loose and saw it right, run right into that uh, that vacant house there. So Obviously there are concerns for public safety but we also have concerns for the monkey. I mean we didn't want anyone to injure the monkey. We didn't want the monkey getting hit by a car. Obviously our officers are not going to know how to deal with a monkey. I've been in law enforcement for 24 years. I've never dealt with a monkey. <laughs> I love the officer there. Play him there at the end. Play, play just the end where he's talking about I've, been, I've never dealt with a monkey. <laughs> Obviously, our officers are not going to know how to deal with a monkey. I've been in law enforcement 24 years. I've never dealt with a monkey. Well, I've never dealt with you? a monkey. Has anybody in this room ever dealt with a monkey? I have. No way. Look. I have. Raise his hand. At the casino. And I've told you this story. What? Somebody had their service monkey that came into the casino in Shelbyville. They had it on a leash. And this is back when I was working there. And somehow the monkey got off the leash and it's running around the casino. Hop it on top of slot machines. And That's some amazing. dude from Boston who was there on like a convention, you know, came to the casino. I'm DJing on the floor because it's like a Friday night. He comes up to me. Hey, man, you uh, you normally got monkeys running around in here? <laughs> True story. Not swear not to usually. God. Swear to God. But I swear that police officer, uh, he's right. And I thought about that yesterday. What is the protocol for handling a monkey? Uh, I'm thinking about if you were an IMPD officer, think about that. And you're used to dealing with all these things, you know, in Indianapolis, this awful crime, violent crime. And then you get a call uh, about a frivolous monkey that's running around. How do, I how guess do I'd you rather deal with a monkey than a naked homeless man pleasuring himself with his own. No, that we know, have seen here. Yeah, I've seen that. Working yeah. downtown. Yeah. We've seen that a number of officers times. Officers know how to handle that, but just not a monkey. Matt Bayer, the traffic beast, joining us. Uh, so, Matt, you're a Colts fan. 
those coming downtown this weekend, big game against the Titans. I bet you'll see some folks coming up from Tennessee. They always buy some tickets. It's a short little trip to watch your team play on the road. What are we looking at in terms of traffic this weekend? Well, it's, I mean, we have major construction projects, two of them going on right now. And it's the one in Lawrence that goes southbound on 465, like you're coming down from Fishers. And that's going to be a problem if you're coming in for the game. And then when you're leaving the game, I worry about our guys over in Plainfield in Hendricks County going to Terre Haute. Uh, westbound 70 is torn to thunder right now. It's State Road 267. Wow. And we are down to one lane there. And that delay is going on right now for about a mile. And it's going to be game time traffic. I'm really suggesting using US 40 instead. So we have some big game projects there. And of course, you know, the usual downtown stuff. I mean, the no right on res and nobody's doing. I mean, we have those signs on. So if you want to uh, try not to hit the pedestrians and don't go right on red, that's a, that's a very good idea. I mean, we're worried about safety right now, and a lot of people aren't using those signs, and uh, it's it's probably best that we do use the signs. So. so, Matt, as a Colts fan, you heard Jonathan Taylor yesterday, and we played the audio here. He danced around a lot of tough questions, didn't really address wanting to be traded, didn't really address his contract. Do you yeah. want to be a Colt? Right. Yeah. Boy, he, he danced around. Oh, all yeah. of those as a Colt fan, where are you at with Jonathan Taylor? I think this can be mended, and that's I, you hear a lot about his agent. He hired an agent that's really kind of um, made Jonathan Taylor, I guess, not so Jonathan Taylor. He and turned him heel, like yeah, if this was wrestling. Yeah, yeah, was a, <laughs> it's like when Hulk Hogan joined the NWO. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's not supposed to be the way it is. And Jonathan Taylor's the best runner in the game, so it's the same thing. It really um, with Jonathan Taylor, give him the ball, see what happens, get him in the offense, get him going, and then it, hopefully everything's not so chewed up that you can't make this guy. I'm excited about the game. I think he's going to get some reps, right? You think he'll come out and get some he's reps? He's the game time decision to be determined according to Coach Steichen, which I think he's going to be activated. Seven, I really eight, do. Yeah, one-two punch with him and Moss. I like it. I do too. Real quick before we let you go, and again, we've told you this before, you have done an amazing job not only in your traffic duties, but you were the host of a night with WIBC, and you were awesome in that role. Oh, thanks, guys. No, it's um, <laughs> it's so cool just to be asked to do that, and um, you know the crowd was terrific. I mean, I've, oh, the crowd's incredible. If you're going to be comfortable in front of a crowd for a first time doing things, those are the guys that your family they love you. Everybody loves each other in the building, so it was. Next that, year, let's do a residency. Let's do like a three night residency, or maybe like two. <laughs> shows in one night <laughs> like we yeah. do comedy clubs right or maybe we get a hotel involved right and we have a real night with wibc people book rooms we do the show we have a big party afterwards something like that we're like going it. to totally motley crew that hotel too. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> yeah. matt bear playing the role of tommy lee this year <laughs> matt where can people find you at madden traffic and we are at wibc traffic on facebook at madden traffic get you the whole thing so uh good conversations there and uh, we do a lot of stuff so uh, talk to you and I uh, love you guys. Pretty You're much. the best. Thanks. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. Every Friday at this time, we speak with Tommy Piggott. He is the RNC Rapid Response Director. You can see some of his work on the popular Twitter account at RNC Research. Which has been dubbed the White House's least favorite Twitter account. Which is such a badge of honor. It really is. So, Tommy, here's the deal. I know that you can't talk about specific people inside your party. That's not something that you can do. I'm curious what it's like 
working at the RNC when you see all of this stuff happening with the Speaker of the House. Nigel and I were on the air, and we're reacting in real time, watching you know these speeches on the floor, the debate on the floor, and then the vote. Uh, Kevin McCarthy gets ousted. What's it like knowing you've got a paycheck involved here and you're seeing all this stuff go on? Well, ultimately, our goal is and our purpose is to stay focused on Joe Biden. And, you know, whoever the speaker ends up being, it's going to be a speaker that's dedicated towards holding Joe Biden accountable. So while all this is happening, we're, we're remaining focused on that. We're focused on making sure that Joe Biden doesn't go a day, a moment, an hour, a second uh, without being held accountable for all of his many lies and failures. We're also focused on building out that infrastructure. So from our end, none of that changes in the sense that we're going to keep holding Joe Biden accountable. We're going to keep talking about Republican successes. We're going to keep building that infrastructure so the nominee can take that infrastructure and take it to Joe Biden. So it's obviously looking at all everything that happened in the House. Uh, it's something that we're all definitely keeping a very close eye on. But from our standpoint, we're staying focused on our primary purpose, and we're not letting a day go by. Uh, without making sure that we're fulfilling our obligations, our role, and and really holding Joe Biden accountable. And, Tommy, the narrative that's being pushed out by the Democrats here is the Republicans are in chaos. This whole thing is chaos. Everybody's out of order. Like, if a new speaker is put into place by next week, which it sounds like that could be the case, and if it doesn't take, you know, 14, 15 roll votes to do it, I don't necessarily think, that's chaos. Maybe I'm the Lone Ranger here. I'm curious as to your thoughts. Well, ultimately, if Democrats want to talk about chaos, they need to look in the mirror. They're delivering chaos to the American people. I mean, look at the policies they're implementing uh, you know, on purpose. They're purposely going out there and creating a border crisis. They're cr- purposely going out there and creating chaos with families' finances when it comes to inflation, when it comes to bills, when it comes to debt, when it comes to interest rates. They're purposely going out there and promoting defunding the police, promoting pro-criminal criminal codes uh, that are leading to surges in violent crimes across the country. I mean, Democrats are creating chaos as part of their policy platform, as part of something they're doing on purpose. So Republicans do need to come together. We do need to be united. That's where uh, our strength comes from. What unites Republicans is a lot more than what divides us. But if Democrats want to talk about chaos, they should look in the mirror because it's their policies that are causing chaos uh, and, and destruction on so many American families. Let me ask you, Tommy, do you think Joe Biden is on the ropes right now? I mean, with you know the polling numbers uh, in the toilet to the economy not doing very well, um, the impeachment inquiry, uh, the uh, you know Hunter Biden and those charges, do, do the Republicans feel like Joe Biden might be on the ropes at this point? Well, I think what's clear is the Democrats are panicking. I mean, you even have to look at a recent Axios article that talks about Democrats openly saying the Bidenomics sales pitch has landed like a lead balloon because Biden's going out there saying, oh, Bidenomics is great. And then the American people look at their bank account and Bidenomics does not look so great when your bank account keeps going down and down and down. So, I mean, that's the fundamental reality. And it's, it's honestly the tough part about being a Democrat because the only pitch they have is to lie about the reality of what's going on because their policies don't work. So I think Democrats are clearly panicking. Uh, They do see the polls of the American people saying that Biden's not fit to be president, that Biden's policies are failing. I hesitate to say he's on the ropes, though, because, you know, never underestimate the Democrats' uh, uh, willingness to lie and stoop lower in order to try to convince people to vote for them. So we have to put the, you know, pedal to the metal, get that infrastructure built, make sure everyone goes to bankyourvote.com, get everyone involved, uh, really take nothing for granted at all. But I think it is clear that Democrats are panicking, and we have to make sure we sell our message to the American people so that we win these elections. What is the? Tell me about Bank the Vote again real quick. 
So bank your vote is the Republican initiative to encourage Republicans to bank their votes by voting early. Uh, basically, if they go to, people go to bankyourvote.com, they can sign up, and then there'll be state-specific information, including information about how, when, and where to vote early, hmm. what options there are, when you can request ballots. And that's incredibly important because by banking your vote early, it lets the Republican National Committee and campaigns not focus on getting you to vote, if that makes sense. So if you bank your vote, we can focus all those resources not reaching out to you, but reaching out to independent voters, people that haven't voted yet. That lets us really turn out, turn out. So it's incredibly important, and it's one of our main focuses here. Tommy Pickett is the RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, the jobs report came out today, and something just seems a little off here. So the number that the Biden administration is doing a victory lap on is twice what they thought the number would be. It's double the estimate. Yet when you dive down into this report a little bit, if you actually look at some of the numbers here, maybe that victory lap is a little premature. Tell me about this jobs report. Well, ultimately, all you have to do is look at the last few months to know that the revisions on jobs have been pretty dramatic. And generally speaking, they've been to the negative. There's been some exceptions, but pretty dramatic revisions to this jobs report. So I'm going to hold judgment on that exact jobs number. But I think what's important to realize here is that many of these jobs are, are not seeing the type of prosperity that you would expect. You're seeing Americans come back from a retirement. You're seeing Americans being forced to take a second or third job. You're seeing small businesses that can't find workers. Uh, so, I mean, it's really kind of actually painting this picture of an economy where families are going further, further into debt. And there's a big question about how long the cons- consumer spending can keep on going. While at the same time, they're getting paid relatively less. They have less purchasing power because of those rising costs. So if anything, I think it's important to remember this inflation picture, to remember the fact that Americans routinely are saying that they're being forced to take a second or third job to make ends meet. And ultimately, forcing people to take lower paying jobs to afford to put food on the table and to afford a roof over their head is not an economy that is working for working people. I mean, and that's what that's what's so ironic about Joe Biden going out there and claiming a victory lap. Indicator after indicator shows that workers' wages are going down, their debt their debt is skyrocketing, interest rates are keeping Americans from being able to afford a home, and ultimately that this economy is not working for working men and women. When you look at the numbers here, and I've got the jobs reports in front of me, one-third of the jobs added government jobs. Uh, there's a 151,000 bump in just part-time jobs. As a matter of fact, Full-time jobs are down 22,000, and entirely part-time jobs are going up. So when you see a headline, it's really important that you have to dig down and look at the report because there are places like MSNBC and CNN, they're going to lie right to your face about how great this is. But when you look at the real wages, the money tied with inflation, it's a pay cut, and more full-time jobs are down and just part-time jobs are up. And and that's by that part-time number that really gets at the sense of why are people looking for these jobs? And it's because so many Americans are saying they can't afford ends meet at the same job that was making ends meet a few years ago, that the rising prices are forcing people to look for those part-time jobs, take a second or third job. And look, I have nothing wrong with Americans that want to go out there and and get ahead. You know, if Americans want to go out there and get that second or third job to make sure they're getting ahead, that's great. But if they're forced to, because the job that was leading to prosperity before is no longer leading to prosperity because of inflation, that's a sign of an economy that's not working. It's not a sign that an economy that is. And so for Joe Biden to go out there and say Bidenomics is working, I think is really 
flying in the face of reality. And with this big jump in government jobs, yeah. that just gives the average, everyday, blue-collar worker such a middle finger that these government jobs that honestly are going to have very little effect on the economy, they're just people getting a paycheck, more big government, more people in big government getting a paycheck, yet the people that have to go to the grocery store every day to provide for their families who are also working multiple jobs, you get the shaft. And I think it's important to remember that old adage that there is no such thing as government money. It's taxpayer money. It's people's money. Right. So the, the government has no money by itself. It's always going to come from the American people. So those same people that can't afford uh, groceries, can't afford rent, are, are struggling now, are the ones that are paying for those government jobs. So you're exactly right to, to say it's a slap in the face, but it's really almost a double slap in the face because not only are people getting those jobs, it's this bigger government, more regulation, more coming after you with the IRS. It's the American people that are being forced to pay for that at the same time. It's so funny, Tommy. It's like, hey, look, things aren't as worse as they were. They're getting better just a little bit when at the same time they were the only reason things were worse were because of the problems that they created in the first place. There's an economist that we had uh, on a different radio show today that said um, that the jobs were still like four million jobs in the hole. The Biden administration has a very difficult time explaining the difference between job creation and job recovery, right? Yeah, it's absurd. I mean, they're going out there acting like they, they've created these jobs when in reality, these are jobs that were lost because of COVID lock- lockdowns, and they were recovered after uh, really Republican-led states opened up their states. Democrats wanted to keep the states locked down further, and that's why we right. look at the jobs being created. They're in Republican-led states. The Republican-led states are the ones leading in terms of a low unemployment and jobs created, not Democrat-led states, and they're leading in spite of the inflationary destructive agenda coming out of Joe Biden. And and I think you're exactly right to talk about the policies they put in place. If we didn't have a House of Representatives that was controlled by the Republicans, we would have seen more yeah. spending. We would have seen trillions in more spending that would have almost only heightened inflation even further. And inflation is still outrageously high. So it's only because of House Republicans that this is not two, three times worse. But we need to reverse this. We need to get a Republican president, a Republican Senate to actually solve inflation and get America back on the path to prosperity. Tommy, we've got about a minute left here. Last thing. Uh, Yesterday, Joe Biden, against his own will, basically said we need to have some wall at the southern border. Mayorkas said it was basically needed badly in Texas. Today, they trot Mayorkas out there, and he has to do this hostage-style apology for saying that they need some wall down there. I just want to get your opinion on that. Well, first they were saying walls don't work. Then they briefly said walls do. And then now they're saying walls don't again. I mean, it's absurd. It's, it's showing the chaos of his border policy. Uh, uh, let's just get one thing straight. Walls do work. Border barriers do work. They need to implement that. They need to build that. They need to stop paying people to not build a wall like they've been doing for years. And ultimately, it's important to remember, while Joe Biden is failing and has this real dereliction of duty when it comes to the border, Republicans are stepping up. They passed H.R. 2 to secure the border and border governors are building wall, they're building barriers and they're sending National Guard troops to the border as we speak. It's a real contrast in leadership, I think. Tommy Piggott, RNC Rapid Response Director. Check out some of his work at RNC Research. Tommy, we'll do this again next Friday. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The 
Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the WIBC hotline. So there's a WWE professional wrestling pay-per-view event in Indy this weekend. Oh, that's this weekend? Yeah, it's tomorrow night. And I was thinking about this. We could have booked John Cena to come on this sure. show. We could have booked Seth freaking Rollins to come on this show. <laughs> but I said, no, the person I want to tell us about this event is our former producer, the Kyle Wells, Mega Mondo, TK Dub. Welcome back to the Hammer and Nigel show. Hey, they said Joe. <laughs> there he is. Well, first and foremost, I feel honored that you uh, booked me over my idol and hero who I once drank a PBR with, John Cena. Hammer, oh. Nigel, I love you fellas. Thank you for having me on. Did you really have a beer with John Cena? I've never heard that story before. Yeah, just like the days you worked at X and Hammer worked at ZPL. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kyle, before we get into how big of a deal this is this upcoming weekend, how are you? What have you been up to, man, since you uh, left the Hammer and Nigel show? I'm doing great. I have a new job where I'm a brand execution rep for Prime Energy, Prime Hydration. Uh, Nigel's son enjoys drinking those oh, drinks. And- Connor loves Prime. <laughs> yeah, he can't get enough of it. Yeah, I'm a, a sales rep for Prime and Alani Energy, and this job, fellas, it is treating me so well. No complaints on my end. Right on. And if you, if, you, if you ever need any uh, drinks, holler at your boy. I'll hook you up. Yeah, don't be afraid to bring those bad boys up here. Um, so this Saturday night, and I'm going with the boys, Mondo. I'm going to be there. Um, it's WWE. This isn't just like a a regular Raw or a Friday SmackDown show. This is like a big pay-per-view deal, right? Yeah, this is the first time since 2016 that a uh, pay-per-view or premium live event is what WWE is calling them these days. But yeah, WWE Fastlane, it's coming to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I'll be there. My girlfriend, I drug her. She's going to be coming with me. So uh, I look forward to seeing you and your boys there. Hopefully we run into each other. So, But, who, but who's like headlining? Is it, is it John Cena? Yes, John Cena will be in action. He's uh, going to be teaming up with L.A. Knight. Yeah. And they'll be going up against Solo Sokoa and Jimmy Uso. This show's pretty uh, pretty light right now. There's only five matches that have been announced for the show. I'm sure that will change as SmackDown happens later tonight. So as of right now, there's only five, show, five matches on the card for the show. But, yes, Nigel, John Cena. Okay. Will be in action. Is he the is he the leagues or the league, whatever you call it? Is he the W is he WWE's biggest star? Yes, he still is. Uh, Roman Reigns is probably the face of WWE. However, he's on a uh, and I'm doing this in air quotes a vacation. So they've got John Cena pretty much headlining tonight, or I'm sorry, uh, tomorrow night, and. There's other superstars that'll be in action as well. Cody Rhodes is in a tag team match. He's teaming up with Jey Uso, and they're going up against the Judgment Day for the WWE Undisputed Tag Team title. Who's the guy uh, whose song everybody sings, Kyle? Is that Seth freaking Rollins where everybody sings his like intro song? 
It sure is. I know you and your boys are going to be singing along tomorrow night. <laughs> Seth now, Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the World Heavyweight title. That'll also be on the card. All right. Now, I think this event is sold out, but if somebody wants to watch this thing, how do they do it? Well, you can watch it on Peacock, and it is only, I think it's about nine dollars if you wanted to watch it on peacock really it's totally worth yeah it's totally worth it we used to, to pay for ahead. those pay-per-views back in the day like in the early 2000s me and my buddies would get together and be like 80 bucks right yeah and if you got yeah, peacock premium like i got peacock premium because i wanted to watch the indycar races uh it just comes included yeah, it does. WWE Network is a part of the Peacock subscription. Right. And do yourself a favor. Uh, Nigel, you mentioned those days where we used to spend about $70, $80. Yeah. That will be returning here once WWE ends their partnership with Peacock. Uh, okay. I, don't know, I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but Vince McMahon sold WWE to the TKO group. He's no longer the majority owner of WWE, so we've got probably a couple more years of the ten dollars uh for the wwe ple's or pay-per-views so take advantage of it now because here in a couple of years when that contract expires it probably will shoot back up i don't know hopefully it won't be eighty dollars right right uh, mondo two things here kyle we're running out of time but i want two things from you number one i want a classic laugh that we used to hear in the background <laughs> and number two, uh, we got 30 seconds left here. Promote this big WWE event as only the Kool Aid Man can do. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow night, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Come on out and see WWE present Fast Lane. You never know who you're going to see. Jason Hammer might be there. His will be there. TKW will be there. Mega Mondo, John Cena. Drink a PBR with him if you're lucky or not. Tomorrow night, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, WWE Fastlane. Oh, yeah. There it is. Bravo. Kyle, we miss you, brother. You're always part of the Hammer and Nigel family, though. Hey, I love you, fellas. Thank you so much for having me on. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. Oh, baby. Coming up here a little bit later on, we're going to check in with Abdul. He's got some numbers in the mayor's race, and we're really going to get into the weeds about specific demographics. We're also going to check in with Alex Marlowe of Breitbart. He's got thoughts on Joe Biden and the Speaker of the House situation. But before we do any of that, there's one person we need to check in with first. That's wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Take a test where you're taking cocaine. (laughs) Come on, man. You ain't black. Hey, by the way, real quick, did you know, did you see our Facebook, Hammer and Nigel Facebook account got restricted, dinged? Did you you notice that? It wasn't me this time. It was actually me, but I... (laughs) During a night with WIBC, part of our segment, we had some Photoshop fun with my face superimposed on Hunter Biden's laptop photos. Right. Like there's one where he's standing there in his whitey tidies with a scarf on. Right. And But it's my face. And Nick, our digital guy, did a great job with these. are hilarious. Nick was a rock star. There's this one where, and the other one where, where 
where Hunter is in the bathtub smoking a cigarette, <laughs> but it's my face with a cigarette. There's a crack and pipe. There's a picture, crack pipe there? in one of them. So I tried to post those on Facebook. These photoshopped photos of my face on Hunter Biden's laptop pictures. And we got dinged for adult exploitation. Oh, come on! <laughs> like, like these pictures are, uh, I, I, I don't know, I forget exactly what it said, but it, it was like we're restricted for like a couple of weeks now because I tried to put Photoshop pictures of those, uh, those raunchy Hunter Biden photos with my face Photoshopped on them. Nothing was nude. I mean, like people, right. like chicks put bikini pictures out there way more revealing than anything you posted. <laughs> Go to Twitter. It's They let us do it on Twitter. I didn't get dinged on Twitter. Add Hammer and Nigel. Uh, you have to scroll down a couple days. But they're really, fun. <laughs> really funny. If you're familiar at all with some of those pictures that were floating around the internet off Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, I think I, I think I pulled it off pretty well. You actually. did. You did. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pin this on the profile yes, here. Yes, do that. And uh, do that. Add hammer, <laughs> add hammer, and Nigel on Twitter X. That's ridiculous. You got a notification. All these chicks put scantily clad oh, stuff out there, and you have a Photoshop, not even a real Photoshop picture of you, you know, with Hunter Biden. He's standing there in his tidy whiteies, and they dinged you for that. That's Zuckerberg right there and all his goons. That's what it is. Oh, I'm trying. Here it is. We added restrictions to your account as a safety measure because some of your activity looks like it doesn't follow our rules. Adult sexual exploitation. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the pictures of Hunter Biden on this laptop with my face on him. Underrated photo is the one with you and the big guy, and you're turning around, and Joe's got that blank-eating oh. grin on his face. <laughs> my favorite. But the That's one with you favorite. in the, the bathtub and the cigarette looks yeah. real. Again, Nick and Digital. That may, that may have been real. Did a great job. <laughs> that, that was me at one point in my life. So, <laughs> earlier today, Joe Biden spoke... <laughs> Kind of. Uh, <laughs> about building more wall at the border in Texas. A reporter asked him his thoughts on the process. Mr. President, Mr. President, can you be specific about what you did to try to reappropriate those border funds, especially when Democrats controlled both chambers of Congress? Well, you know, with the wall thing? The wall thing? Yes, sir. The wall yeah, thing? They passed. Well, I was told that I had no choice. He stood there. He had no idea what that reporter was talking about for at least 10 seconds. He stood there and looked at her like, what the F are you talking about? We need to make a Hammer and Nigel Show t-shirt. Uh, the wall thing? The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the wall thing. And then at the end, and did the- you catch the end? I was told that it's something we had to do, basically. But that reporter made a really good point, because... Joe Biden yesterday said, well, you know, Congress wouldn't let me. I was told at the at that time, Democrats controlled both the House and the Senate. Right. So and this money had been in there from the moment he took the oath of office. And now all of a sudden he's saying it has to happen. This is only because high profile blue cities are giving him crap about what's happening at the border. That's the only reason this is happening. Now, yesterday, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Alejandro, Alejandro. He was the one that said there was, quote, an immediate need for a wall at the border. And then today, 
I don't know who spoke with him, but he did a Baghdad Bob hostage style video where he had to walk everything back. I want to address today's reporting relating to a border wall and be absolutely clear. There is no new administration policy with respect to the border wall. Allow me to repeat that. There is no new administration policy with respect to the border wall. From day one, this administration has made clear that a border wall is not the answer. That remains our position, and our position has never wavered. The language in the Federal Register notice is being taken out of context, and it does not signify any change in policy whatsoever. Iraq is winning the war. Saddam Hussein is winning the war. Dude, Mayorkas, blink twice if you're okay, because that looked like a hostage video. And what was the, like an acute and immediate need yes. for a wall? Was that the direct quote? Direct quote. If I got that, if I got that right. And that... <laughs> wow. I'm trying to parse it out in my head whether or not, like the Democrats really think like because they were trying to play it off like yeah we don't have a choice we got to build this wall or maybe I think they really believe that walls don't work and they and this is they're doing this against their wheel I really believe that I think they're being I, I, pressured by some of their big donors in some of these big cities like New York and Chicago and LA and Frisco you follow the money you'll find somebody saying hey we're all about open borders we just we don't want them in our town. That's exactly what it is. Okay. So, I have a question for the room. Does anybody remember Beto O'Rourke? Who? The rich white guy in Texas who pretends to have a Latino name when his real name is Robert Francis O'Rourke. <laughs> he was the yeah. guy that wanted to take your AR-15s. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. He's also a guy that, like, runs for office every year, and much like the Washington Generals against the Globetrotters, loses every single year. You remember Beto, right? That I, guy? I remember that guy. Yeah, appropriated a uh, Hispanic nickname just so he'd get uh, the Latino vote. Ted Nugent, do you remember Beto? Hey, Beto, eat me. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> Beto, Robert Francis, slamming the Biden administration's reversal on their stance of no border wall. He says that the Biden administration is doing impotent political posturing and claims this move will make it more difficult for voters to differentiate between the border and immigration policies of President Biden and President Trump. Who cares? Who cares? He's irrelevant. Right. And the thing is, he doesn't care about the safety of his people. He just wants the people to know, look, the wall, wall, that's Trump. That's a Trump policy. Even though Joe Biden's doing it right now, that's a Trump policy. You're right. Who cares? Who cares? And Beto was such an afterthought. The media tried to lift this guy up into something. He's going to beat Ted Cruz. He's going to be the president of the United States. Beto sucks. <laughs> Remember when he had to apologize when he told Rolling Stone that I was born to be president? <laughs> yeah. This well, that was rich, the magazine cover. This rich white guy. Born for uh, this. Born for this. Born for losing every election. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the Joe Biden speech here, because we're checking in with Joe Biden. He claims he cut the federal debt 
by $1.7 trillion. Really? Which only added to the deficit. When I was able to cut the federal debt by $1.7 trillion over that first two, and a half, two years, well, remember what we were talking about. Those 50 corporations that made $40 billion weren't paying a penny in taxes. Well, guess what? We made them pay 30%, uh, 15% in taxes, 15%. Hold up, hold up, hold up. What he's talking about? He claims he cut the debt by $1.7 trillion. Maury Povich, your thoughts? The lie detector determined that was a lie. <laughs> he didn't cut the federal debt by $1.7 trillion. He added to it. It's at $33.4 trillion right now. That's a monster number. Isn't it, though? Isn't it, though? Uh, back to his presser, Biden was asked why... You know, why do you think most people still feel negative about the economy? I, look, I got to choose my words here. <laughs> you all are not the happiest people in the world. What you report, and I mean it sincerely. It gets a more little, you get more legs when you report something that's negative. I don't mean I don't mean you're picking on me. I'm just the nature of things. You turn on the television, and there's not a whole lot about boy saves dog as he swims in the lake. You know, to say you know it's about you know somebody pushed the dog in the lake. I mean I, I, I get it, <laughs> but <laughs> shut up. What are you talking about? Shut up. Wait for it. If you just listen to what's going on around the world. That's a pretty long pause <laughs> from the old man right there. Good God almighty. Listen, man, like it sounds like oh. this dude needs an oxygen machine. He sounds decrepit. And I know people will say, well, he's actually still very astute. He's still very, you know, much in play at the political scheme. And I think Alex Marlowe, a Breitbart, who we're going to have on the show later on, feels that way. But you can't tell me, yeah. listening to that soundbite right there, He's got all of his marbles. There is no way. Zero. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Emma and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. Hammer. How do we play Is This Anything? I'll run some stories by you. You break down all the information. You give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? In a new Netflix documentary. The documentary is called Beckham. Victoria Beckham which I believe was Posh Spice of the Spice oh, Girls. Yeah. She's married to David Beckham, the soccer star. Uh, Victoria Beckham tries to say she grew up in like a very modest home. And then David Beckham pops up and basically calls her bullcrap. I'm very close to my family. Yeah, I mean, I think also we both come from families that work really hard. Both of our parents work really hard. We're very working class. Be day. honest. I, I am being Be honest. honest. I am being what honest. What did your dad drive you to school in? So my dad. Did, no, one answer. My dad. What well, car was it? Uh, it's not a simple answer what because. What car did you get your dad to drive? It you depends. To school in? No, 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 no. Okay, in the eighties, <laughs> my dad had a Rolls Royce. <laughs> 
<laughs> one of the most expensive cars in the world. <laughs> we were working class family. My dad worked his hair. I mean, look, just own it. Yeah, I mean, just say, yeah, my dad worked hard. He was uh, he was a successful, successful guy. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that she should have necessarily like pretended that she was working middle class like like Joe Biden does. Uh, middle class Joe was a nickname that was uh, that was ascribed to him. He gave himself that nickname, right? So right. she's doing like he he's Victoria Beckham's doing kind of the same thing. There's nothing middle class about Joe Biden, a working man Joe Biden. Just own it. Who cares? You had, a, you had a rich family. And if anything, if anybody grew up like working class, it's her husband, David. Because from what I've gathered, and I've got some friends who are in the media that cover like soccer and have spoken with David Beckham. He's like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Really? And like totally down to earth, like grew up in a regular family. I don't know if they were poor, but it was a regular family. He was just really, 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 really good at soccer yeah. and became the biggest soccer star in the world. I'll give you the perfect example. I my my old man, when I grew up in Lisbon, out in the woods, off State Road 39, Roll Route 1, Box 105B, was my old, before they changed the address. He was on the brink of, of having to give up the house because the business was doing so bad. He couldn't get it together. We, I had no idea any of this was going on. And then, further on into my teenage years, he started doing really well. And and now he's got a place downtown. He's got a business. He's got a restaurant moving in his place. So I, like I'm not gonna pretend like I I came from some you know working class middle class background in from my teenage years on. Okay, like right. I fully admit I own it. My dad worked hard, worked his ass off. So I'm sure Victoria Beckham's dad did too. I don't know what he did. I don't have any idea. But don't ever apologize for having parents that worked their ass off. Um, because I mean that's that's America and England is too. And now, based you know. on what I see on Twitter, you Nige have enough money to take these vacations see, with the political elite. That's that's <laughs> that's the other. That was so strange. That was another tweet that we showed on a night with WIBC. Somebody tweeted me it was stalking my wife's Instagram page, and I don't know where they got this, but they were like, Nigel, how do you square going on rich vacations with your wife's elite friends? It was very, I mean, to, to that, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I've met your of, friends, and they're not elite. <laughs> the mailman is I not mean, elite. <laughs> and I love the mailman. We love the official mailman of the Hammer and Nigel show, but I'm in, in no way, shape, or form uh, taking, you know, rich. We, we're going to Florida next week, and, uh, you know, we rented a house, and that's that. We're doing it with another couple, so we split the cost. Right. You know? Elite couples don't split the cost. <laughs> oh, well, that's, uh, you know, don't, don't just I'm saying don't ever apologize for that. Why do you need to lie about that? Who cares? <laughs> I just love, though, David Calder bullcrap. That's awesome. Is this anything? Have you ever been ready to pay for something at a store and the cashier asks if you'd like to donate a couple bucks to charity? Have you ever had that awkward, oh, yeah. like, guilt moment? <laughs> Here's an economist with several reasons why you should never say yes. Would you like to donate $2 to charity? Mm -hmm, I do. I'm an amazing person. 
Wait, stop. Don't donate at the register. Why not? Because you don't know where your money is actually going. What do you mean? The charity they chose might have affiliations you don't support or a track record of not using donations responsibly. And the cashier probably isn't going to have the answer to these questions. So what should I do instead? Donate directly to a charity that aligns with your goals. And make sure you research it first yeah. on charitynavigator.org so that you make an informed decision. Don't you just feel like a jerk when the cashier asks? you if you'd like to donate to the charity would you like to donate one dollar from this to charity and you say no right i mean don't you feel like just a complete total ass hat there was a south park episode about this where the cashier would always go on the microphone We've got someone who is not going to donate to charity. A scumbag up here who wants children to starve. <laughs> no, this is nothing. I, I, actually, I, I take that back. This is this is pretty good advice. That's pretty good advice. I, because she's right. You don't know where your money's going. I mean, put a couple coins in the tip jar or, or whatever, whatever, you know, Riley's. We go to the Speedway gas station. You're the one that goes into gas stations all right. the time, Hammer. I mean, there's... McDonald's uh, has the Ronald right. McDonald house exactly. right there That's when you're fine. paying. That's fine. But if yeah. you don't know where exactly your money is going, like, oh, I don't know, donating to BLM then maybe you shouldn't donate because your money could be going to give, oh, I don't know, Patrice Colors multiple mansions around the country. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. I got some breaking news uh, about that uh, concert with the Eagles and Steely Dan next week. Steely Dan is dropping out. Uh, this is from Live Nation. Due to illness, Steely Dan will not be performing on Eagles shows next week in Indy. Steve Miller Band. Oh, will turn be it appearing. up, Allison. Turn it back up. Steve Miller Band appearing as special guests for both nights, October 9th and 10th. Is that equal, less, or oh, I something know. better? I, 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 I definitely know. I mean, there's more hits with Steve Miller Band. Steve Miller Band, for sure, but. Steely Dan is, I mean, there's some hardcore classic Steely Dan fans out there that will be extremely disappointed and probably True. bought tickets to see them and not the Eagles. But if you are the Eagles fan, the Eagles, <laughs> as Fetterman would say, the Eagles, uh, I'm okay with this, sure. man. Yeah. I think that's a solid replacement, if not you know, something better. I've always liked the Steve Miller yeah, band. I, mean, I like Miller Steve band Miller band main, better than main, Steely Dan. Yeah, I, I would say Steve Miller band is more mainstream in that era than, than Steely Dan, for sure. Okay, so let us know what you think. Who would you rather see as an opening act? Steely Dan or the Steve Miller band? At Hammer and Nigel. You can also jump in the YouTube chat. Uh, we got the single camera in studio right now. Yeah, yeah that's we're getting uh, lots of complaints about that. We've had a it's just on me. Yes. Can we, just turn, on, can we just turn it on Allison? No. Right. Let's put an Allison um, camera on there. Give the people what they we've want. We've got a malfunctioning second YouTube camera, so it's just been on me all week. Sorry. Rob Kendall's on suicide watch because this other <laughs> camera hasn't been functioning all week long. Like He's legitimately upset and melting down that people can't stare at him for three hours every day. Um, now, normally, we check in with Joe Biden, and we have this very elaborate over-the-top, you know, introduction sure. for Joe. But when we check in with Hillary Clinton, especially this time of year, getting close to Halloween, this is all we got. <laughs> 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 I 
Was that the thriller laugh? Hillary Clinton and Vincent Price, oh, same geez. laugh. I'm telling you that right now. Can we do that again? <laughs> <laughs> so, election oh. denier Hillary Clinton yeah. spoke on CNN and had some interesting thoughts about Donald Trump supporters. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point... You know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members. Oh, wow. A formal deprogramming, says old pantsuit Patty right there, Nigel. Let me uh, send you MAGA supporters, you Trump voters, to a re-education camp like they do in communist countries, right? <laughs> right. I now, mean, she, first of all, talk about credibility. I mean, she's the one that helped pay for the Steele dossier, the completely made-up Russia hoax. Right. Talk about credibility, Hillary. And she complains about, you know, Trump supporters, those gross, disgusting MAGA people. They don't accept the results of the election. She still complains about 2016. She thinks it was Russian interference. No, turns out people think you're a horrible witch (laughs) or something that rhymes with it. Oh. And this isn't the first time that Hillrod has dipped her toe in that water. I remember as a as a young student, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically um, drawn in by Hitler? How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. Trump is there ranting and raving for uh, more than an hour and you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. Hillary Clinton always comparing Trump supporters to Nazis or people that know to, need to go to re-education camps is, and things like is that. Is it possible that maybe some people just like Trump's policies? Is it even possible that people didn't really like Trump personally, but they liked better economy, better gas prices, pro-energy output. Security at the border. Uh, no, you know, peace in the middle. I mean, no war, new wars in the Middle East. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just a possibility. Speaking of Donald Trump, his biggest rival in the Republican Party right now, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Here is DeSantis at a recent event, campaign event, talking about how people vote against Donald Trump. A voter that goes to 10 rallies, their vote counts the same as somebody that's unenthusiastic and then goes and votes. And and we just have to understand that. And people will act like 2020, they're like, you know, Biden was, was such a disaster. But here's the thing. I don't think I don't think anybody voted for Biden, okay? They were voting against Trump. That was why they did it. I mean, let's just be honest. He and he energized Democrats. You could have John Kennedy walk through the door right now and he wouldn't energize Democrats as much as Donald Trump does. That's just the reality. Any truth to that? Well, I mean, there were certainly people that showed up and voted against Donald Trump in 2020. There's no doubt about that. I think there's a lot of people. Like, you might not like Ron DeSantis, and you may be the most diehard Trump supporter. 
And I get that. I'm not complaining about that. That's your guy. That's fine. But let's not act like he doesn't stir the pot for the other side, too. People who normally don't vote have just got it beat in their head, whether it's from print media, broadcast media, orange man bad, and they come out and vote against him. I think people voted against Hillary in 2016, especially when she came out with the basket of deplorables comment. Right. That may have put people uh, over the edge. Now, before all the Trump supporters just start ripping DeSantis, he also went on CNBC and he supported Trump supporters from Hillary's ridiculous claim that they need to be deprogrammed or reeducated, whatever she said. But he also kind of went after Trump himself at the same time. Hillary Clinton just said something like, uh, maybe that cult needs some re-edu- go to some re-education uh, training or something just to get out of the Trump cult. But you see what you're up against and how difficult it is. Yeah, Do but you- I, don't, I reject that. I mean, look, these are, these are patriotic Americans. Uh, they want to see the country keep them, do though, well. How do you keep them, though, if you attack uh, you- President Trump? You've, you've had trouble walking well, you- that fine line between really attacking him and, and not wanting to alienate uh, his, his uh, There's a lot of differences. These are all... This is all fair game. Uh, these folks get it. They want to see the country do well. Some people will be with Trump no matter what, but I think the bulk of the people are people that appreciate what he did. They also understand that he's okay. got limitations in terms of his elect- electability. Uh, he's going to be a, he would be a lame duck on day one if he could even get elected. I think he'd have major problems with personnel. Okay. And of course, he didn't deliver on his core promises okay. to drain the swamp, to have Mexico pay for the border wall, or to eliminate the debt. He added $7.8 trillion to the okay. debt. So that's all fair game. We're going to be able to make that case. Uh, And I've delivered on these policies better than anybody. So all in the same statement, I support the Trump supporters, but tell that guy to go to hell. All (laughs) in the same statement. Welcome to politics. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Fired up for the Colts game this weekend. This is a big one, right? It is. The Colts, the Titans, AFC South divisional matchup. And, man, this point spread on this game was crazy because the Colts were the favorite early in the week. Right. But then Jonathan Taylor went to practice, and all of a sudden, once the Colts got their best player back, all the money went on to the Titans. I don't understand. Do you have a theory? Do you know what's going on? I think what you see sometimes throughout the week is what they're known as the Sharps, the professional bettors. They wait until midweek later, and then they hammer their bet down before the line changes too much. So I think they saw the Colts as the favorite. They thought the Titans were going to win. They were getting points at the time. Here comes big money. Okay. Now, also, keep an eye on the Colts' injury report, because Shaq Leonard is out. Can we bring back... Darius? Yeah. Can we make hats, like make Shaq Darius again? Like red Donald Trump style hats. Uh, Bernard Ryman is out. Quitty Pay, he's out. The good news is that starting center Ryan Kelly back. He's cleared concussion protocol. And the million dollar question Jonathan Taylor, he's practiced this week. To be determined. We got the old game time decision out of Coach Steichen earlier today. What I mean, so is this a must win? 
I mean, it's not a must win. It's only week five, but you can't be losing multiple home division games. And they've already lost one at home to the Jacksonville Jags. So, listen, the Titans are who they are, man. They're going to come in here and give Derrick Henry a bunch of carries, and he's going to try to play bully ball and run that thing down the Colts' throat. I'm excited to watch it. We got a tailgate going on on Georgia Street. If you're going to the game, I think my son's working it somewhere. So if you see the Hammer Kid, come by and give him the business a little bit. Do we have to go somewhere for a pick? Um, well, I'm glad you bring that up. Oh, okay. Yes, my article is now live. WIBC.com, Hammer and Nigel Show, Facebook and Twitter. Okay. I've got a play on this Colts game. It's a prop bet, but I've got some action on this. I've got five free picks. My friend Scott Long, who's been on fire lately. Very funny comedian. He's got five free picks. And the professional that we're working with this week, David Stefanoff of followneverfade.com. This dude does his homework. You would be smart to subscribe to his services. He's awesome. And he's got a free pick of college football. So check it out. Facebook, Twitter, uh, WIBC.com. Again, I'm not a professional, but I'm some dude who does pretty well. I'm above 500 this year. Absolutely. And that brings us to this week's Degenerate Special. It's time for Hammer's Degenerate Special. Oh, I've been waiting for one of these. Earlier in the year, we've had some success. We had a few heartbreaks. But some of these teams still played in decent conferences, right? Vanderbilt sucks, but they play in the SEC. This week, we have got some degenerate action on some action, baby. I want action tonight. (laughs) Ball State at Eastern Michigan, baby. And that's why this makes it a quote-unquote degenerate special, because really nobody is paying attention to this game, but you can still make money. To bet on this game, you have to be a degenerate like I am. (laughs) But the money you win on this game spends the same as the money on Oklahoma and Texas this weekend. So we are looking at some action. The Fighting Jason Hammers of Ball State on the road at Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan is a two and a half point favorite. So I've done my homework here, Nigel. Right. This past week, we had a night with WIBC, and I've studied this football game. I've neglected my family all week because I've been this busy. So Ball State comes in with a record of just one and four. They're zero and one in the conference. Eastern Michigan two and three overall. 0-1 in conference play. This is a 3.30 p.m. kickoff tomorrow. Ball State comes in with just the 127th ranked total offense in the nation. <laughs> they are 129th rushing the football. <laughs> wow. But Eastern Michigan says, hold my beer. They come into the game 130th in the nation in offense. <laughs> And on the defensive side, Ball State is ranked 102nd in total defense and against the pass, 125th. But Eastern Michigan says, hold my beer. On the defensive side, Eastern Michigan, they're 94th in total defense, which isn't embarrassing, but 127th against the run. But this is where things get interesting. Eastern Michigan is 
26th in the country defending the pass. Well, hot damn, that's Ball State's specialty because Ball State's not bad at throwing the football. So the Cardinals, Ball State, they're ranked just 115th in the country in red zone efficiency. On the defensive side, that means they give up a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. So, the way I'm looking at this here, Nige, is that I see a Ball State team that can only throw the football and can't stop anybody in the red zone. So, Ball State, they stink running the ball. They can't stop anybody, and they struggle with turnovers. They are 129th in the country in terms of turning the ball over. That's not good. Eastern Michigan, they protect the ball pretty well. They are 32nd in turnover efficiency. So, long story short, this game's going to be gross. Dr. Phil, your thoughts on this game? You're ugly. You're disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me $200. Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy, anybody that wants to bet this game. What do you think? Makes me want to puke. <laughs> the under has cashed in nine of Ball State's last 12 games. Ball State's offense is struggling, and now they're going on the road to a team who defends their best strength, and Eastern Michigan is laying less than a field goal at home when the winds are also going to be around 20 miles an hour, gusting to 30 tomorrow. This smells like an Eastern Michigan win to me. Honk that victory horn, Nige. Eastern Michigan, (laughs) minus two and a half, laying less than a field goal at home. That, my friends, is your degenerate special. And again, all your picks for the weekend at Hammer and Nigel. Facebook, Twitter, and the WIBC website. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock my name is Nigel, Jason Hammer right over there, special in-studio guests, attorney at law, and uh, host here at 93 WIBC, Abdul Akeem Shabazz. Abdul polling out yes. about uh, the mayoral race here in Marion County. Break it down for us. What do we need to know? Uh, there are a lot of undecideds out there, uh, and enough undecideds who could probably uh, change the trajectory of uh, this race. Uh, in a nutshell... Uh, me and my partners at Crossroad Public Affairs, uh, we hired my pollster, uh, Andrew Weiser, at ARW Strategies, uh, to pull the mayor's race in Marin County. Let's see where the race stands. Now, I remind people, polls are not a prediction. They're just merely a snapshot in time. Now, you get enough of them together, you can start to see trends. So I just want to remind folks of that. How many people were involved in this? Uh, we polled 400 likely voters. Okay. And both parties in Marion County? Yeah, both parties in Marion County. Uh, in Men, nut- women, white, black, all that stuff. Exactly. And what we found out was uh, that Joe Hawks had actually leads Jefferson Tree by 10 points, 47 to 37. But there are two things about that. Number one, Joe Hawks is under 50%, which is never good for an incumbent. And number two, uh, 16% of the voters are undecided uh, as, we, as, as of when we did our poll September 24th and 25th uh, last week. So wow. it is still... It, it, Jefferson has a puncher's chance, not much of a puncher's chance, but he still has, got, he still has a puncher's chance. Number two, we've seen how Democrats sort of outnumber Republicans 60-40 right. here in Marion County when it comes to straight-ticket voting. For Joe Hogsett to be at 47 shows that people aren't necessarily happy with the way things are going in the city of Indianapolis. Which is bizarre to me, because unless you know Election Day rolls around and Joe Hogsett polls 60% of the vote, which could still happen, it seems like people in Indianapolis are complaining about the crime, but they say they like Ryan Mears a hell of a lot better than Joe Hogsett. That's a bizarre thing to me, because Ryan Mears got 60% of the vote. 
Yes. Uh, but then again, though, Ryan Mears also was also going for his first full term as prosecutor, whereas Joe's on his third term. But I think Mears has been a much bigger failure than Joe, which I didn't think was possible, <laughs> mind you. I mean, to his credit, at least Ryan Mears has been around. He showed up, but that revolving door of the justice system, you can blame Joe Hogsett for that, and yes, he bears some of it, but I think Ryan Mears is the worst of the two. Yeah, but but the thing is, though, as the chief executive officer of the county, which is what Joe Hawkson is as mayor, he gets the credit, he gets the blame. Yep. Sure. Regardless, because you're the top dog. There's that, you, atta- you there's that attack ad that says, from, you know, I am the mayor, I, I'm the one to blame that we keep running. What makes an independent, like, what are the, in, I'm sorry, not independents, what are the undecideds, like, what are they thinking? What are they undecided about? Well, they just, uh, I, I would argue if you're an undecided voter right now, ah, here's a perfect example, and you gentlemen both being married, you probably can symbolize, <laughs> sympathize with this. Okay. Whatever, whatever, whatever you use, uh, my wife, my wife for comparison, you know it's going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, when my wife and I first started dating 15 years ago, she was dating a guy who was kind of a jerk. So I had to convince her to go with me that A, he was a jerk, and B, I'm much better. It was it was easier the first part. Right. It's a two-step process, right. and one part's easier than the other yeah. one. Yeah. I'm still working on the second part. <laughs> Got <laughs> it. Right now. So a lot of people think, politically speaking, that Joe Hogsett, the guy you were dating for eight years, is a jerk, but Jefferson Shreve hasn't convinced them yet that, hey, I'm the guy you should be going out with. Because Jefferson Shreve has ran what I think is an incredibly bad campaign against a vulnerable candidate in Joe Hogsett. Now, I know you had skin in the game. You ran uh, to be the mayor of Indianapolis, were defeated in the primary. But looking at what's gone on after the primary, I have serious questions as to why Jefferson Shreve is listening to these people, because it seems like his advisors keep giving him horrible advice. Well, the, the number one issue in Marion County is crime, and that was across across the board. Crime, crime was the number one issue. But what I thought was really interesting, though, was when we asked who would be better with crime and who would be better dealing with gun violence, and Shreve and uh, Hawks were, were fundamentally tied with each other. Well, it's almost which, the which, same plan, uh, right? Exactly. Which was, I was getting to was like, well, it's basically the same plan, so what's the difference between between the two. And once again, though 20% of the voters are still undecided in those particular areas. And again, let that sink in for just a little bit. Because if you're somebody listening, then you're kind of out of the loop a little bit, or maybe you don't even live in Marion County. Most people say crime is a major problem here. We're getting ready to head into another year of 200-plus homicides. And yet, the opponent of the incumbent said, well, hot damn, that's a good plan. I'm hitching my wagon to the same thing. That's bizarre to me. And it was bizarre to me, too, because I still can't quite figure out uh, who Jefferson was listening to on, on the on the crime proposal. Now, public safety director, sure. Root causes of crime, sure. Mental health, sure. That's all good. But on, but on the gun issue, that's what really surprised me, because guns and Second Amendment are, are important to the Republican base. And so why lose out on your... In any any proposal you put together, you should always try to move the needle forward and get more voters and less voters. I mean, I get you have to steal some Democrats to win as a Republican in Marion County. I understand that. But that doesn't mean you just crap all over your base in hopes that just a few Democrats cross over. That's asinine. Exactly. For example, we asked uh, who would be better in dealing with gun-related violence. Uh, Hogsett was 39%. Treve was 36%. Undecideds were 24%. Interesting. Now, is there a breakdown by race in regards to this? Because there are a lot of black voters in Marion County traditionally vote blue. But you know as well as I do, Abdul, there's a lot of folks that are not happy with Boss Hogsett. Um, the majority of African-American, 
uh, Hawks had won with, with African American voters, while Shreve won with independent voters, which I thought was an interesting sort of mm. sort of sort of breakdown. Uh, Hawks had does well with African Americans. I don't have the numbers directly in front of me, but, but Shreve with the independent voters is doing quite well. So it's it is what it is. Is there a debate this weekend? Uh, there is a debate uh, Sunday. Uh, I want to say uh, it's, it's a debate. It won't be open to the public. It'll be streamed online. But there is a debate Sunday. I want to say at six o'clock. What, what can we expect there? Um, I expect uh, Joe to basically try to shore up his base. Like, hey, if you like the way the city's going, yes, we got challenges, <laughs> but we're, we're, we're building. You know, He's going to focus on the business aspect, right? Like, right. look at all these conventions, and, you know, we're in the hotel business now. Which and is... look, 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 at all the, look at all the cranes going up in right. and around, and get, look at in and around downtown. Shreve has got to hit, uh, Hawk said, on the crime issue, and where were you during the night? Of, of the riots and just hit him on the hit him on the crime time and time again and also remind people too that under Joe Hogsett's leadership, like I said rightly or wrongly, we've had more homicides than any other mayor right in Indianapolis history. And when he says, "Well, homicides are down compared to 2021," well, you were in charge in 2021. <laughs> like I don't think you get to do a victory lap for saying I didn't break my own record. That's like being valedictorian in summer school. It is. <laughs> hey, let me ask you something because this is something Nige and I have talked about a lot, and I've said it a lot you have lived in chicago you've got a lot of friends in chicago you do radio in chicago sometimes even in chicago which is a very blue city ran by democrats similar to indianapolis i believe that if the mayor went missing during the riots and nobody knew where the mayor was and there were rumors there may have been rehab or some sort of substance problem going on even the media that wants to be friends with the mayor would probably do a little digging and investigating. Other Brandon, than a few people here, we haven't seen that. Brandon Johnson, the mayor of Chicago, had been eaten alive. Yeah. To, I mean, people got mad. Uh, a former mayor back in the 1970s got thrown out because he dropped the ball on snow removal back in the back back in 77 that was just for like a couple of days right so just imagine you know george floyd type riots in the city of chicago brandon johnson would have been thrown not out even type riots it was the george yeah. floyd riots the darkest hours probably in the history of indianapolis here in terms of violence in the capital city looting you know two people lost their lives when when john f kennedy when uh when robert kennedy got shot i uh, no. uh I wouldn't know when Martin Luther King was killed back in 1968 and John F. Kennedy was here uh, in Kennedy King Park, which is known as right now, there were no riots. And that was like you no know, major racial tension, you know, riots breaking out all over the country. The riots did not happen here in Indianapolis. So that, that, uh, that right. ought to give you an idea of how bad things got with the George Floyd riots. It just floors me that aside from a few folks here, it's an afterthought. You talk to some of these news directors, and I'm using air quotes here, around the city of Indianapolis. Well, the the mayor's already addressed it. He told one reporter he was at home, and he won't provide any sort of emails or phone transactions. And there's an investigative reporter that may have ties to this radio station that says he spoke with somebody in rehab with Joe. Any other city, this would be a major scandal. I would tend to agree. (laughs) What's coming up on your big show this weekend? Uh, Well, we talked to our pollster, Andrew Weiser, uh, about the poll that we did, kind of go through uh, the results of the poll. We also looked at sort of downtown uh, public safety. And the thing is interesting. If you live or work or downtown, you think downtown is actually safer than if you don't live or work 
in the downtown area, which I thought was which I thought was interesting uh, dynamic. Uh, also, uh, we'll be talking uh, to uh, Adam Wren. Uh, he writes uh, Importantville, and I uh, also writes for Political about the governor's race. Is he going to out any sexual assault victims this weekend, Abdul? <laughs> I don't think so. Not this weekend. Okay, well, tell them Hammer and Nigel were curious about that. <laughs> no worries, my friend. Abdul, thank you. Hey, thank you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Are you really okay with me? Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! Uh, Hammer, has your uh, better half, the crazy coupon lady, Crystal Hammer, started putting up Christmas decorations yet? No, we just got the fall Halloween ones up. Uh, you, you know what I'm getting at with that, though, right? She loves to go early oh, with yeah. the Christmas decorations. Oh, so so it's, we're now on to fall. November 1st, it's on. Oh, wow, okay. Because we go big for Halloween and fall, too. Yeah. But November 1st, <laughs> cue up the Mariah Carey, cue up the Bobby Helms. She's ready to go. Well, you might have to cue up some share. Oh. Too, is it too soon for Christmas music, Hammer? Not when it's share. <laughs> she dropped her new Christmas song overnight. It's called DJ Play a Christmas Song. Are you ready? I guess. <laughs> Just right. Nothing more. Nothing less. Okay with uh, Cher's song about Christmas. DJ play a Christmas song. Describe my face right now for those <laughs> who like, are listening. You, like you smelled an egg fart. I don't know if you can hear an egg fart, but this is what it would sound like. <laughs> Please turn that off. No, 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 no. Okay with this? I am not okay with this. One, this is a little early for Christmas music to drop. Like we haven't gotten through Halloween yet, okay? But number two, Cher. She's just one of the worst people out there. Just a lunatic leftist. Like, some people are leftists. Some people are lunatics. She's both. She's a <laughs> lunatic leftist. And how much auto-tune was in that thing right oh there? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It sounded like a robot. <laughs> like a robot making love to Cher. That's what that sounded like right there. So, no, I'm not. But if you are somebody that's into Cher... Here's great moments in share history. Oh. There was an episode of South Park where the police in South Park were trying to get people to come out of a house because a party was going on and it was too <laughs> rocking. So they tried that Waco trick where they played horrible music. I don't think they're going to come out. Use the guns technique. What's the guns technique? This is what we did in Waco. Play really bad music really loud until it drives them nuts and makes them want to come out. <laughs> This much share. This is her new album. If this doesn't drive them out, nothing will. 
great moments in share yeah. history. Uh, back when Ari was our producer, yes. we sent him to Carb Day to speak to rowdy Indy 500 fans, and <laughs> he was just lying to them. We told him to tell them that the Carb Day concert had been changed to Celine Dion and Cher. Yeah, and so I don't know if you also heard this. Carb Day concert uh, was announced as Celine Dion and Cher, and a lot of women's, women's groups are praising the decision. What do you think? Hell no. <laughs> great moments in Cher history. But come on. Cher was great in uh, in Mask, right? Rocky Dennis's yeah, mom. Yeah. She's got to turn back time. If I could turn back time. Uh, for my money, you know, I celebrate the entire Cher catalog. <laughs> uh, you're going to go down in flames just like Jesse James. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite Cher song of all time. Great moments in Cher history. Okay. So the New York City subway launched a Courtesy Counts campaign, which, among other things, tells riders to stop being jerks and don't clip your toenails on the train. Are you okay with this? No, I'm not okay with it because it shows the decline in civilization when you have to have a campaign, a paid campaign to tell subway riders, number one, keep your shoes on. Number two, keep your socks on. And number three, and I can't stress this enough, don't cut your damn toenails on the subway. And I pray for whoever has to tell some of these people on the subway to knock off the shenanigans. Because if you've Recall, in recent years, it's been a violent hellhole on New York City yeah, subways. There are maniacs in there. Yeah. And if you dare defend someone, like choke somebody out, then you are the bad guy and you will go to jail. So, yeah, I, I know what they're trying to do, but instead of launching some crappy program where they're going to have Billy Joel tell somebody, hey, don't <laughs> stab anybody on the train, maybe have some more security on that thing. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I mean, are, uh, clipping your toenails, is that the worst thing that happens on the New York City subway? <laughs> just a reminder, not to be a jerk, and please put your toenail clippers away. Here's the cast of Hamilton telling you, please, <laughs> do not masturbate on the subway. <laughs> Okay, custom agents seized an unusual item from a passenger arriving in Minneapolis from a vacation in Kenya. A box of giraffe feces. Are I'm you? sorry, a what? Customs agents confiscated a box of giraffe feces from a person that flew back from Kenya. Are you okay with this? This may be weird, but yes, I am okay with this because... If you're smuggling in specifically giraffe feces, <laughs> you must really need giraffe feces, right? <laughs> and the thing is, it has to be imported. So, <laughs> they were coming back from Kenya. This wasn't something they could go to the zoo and ask the zookeeper, hey, if you wouldn't mind, yeah. could you give me some of that giraffe feces? I'm working on a project. <laughs> no, 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 no. This had to come directly from the giraffe's anus, and it had to be imported the good stuff from Kenya. Now, I read up a little bit more on this. Okay. This woman wanted to make a necklace. <laughs> with with the with the giraffe dung? Yes. And I have even more questions with more information. Like, is this normal? Like, can you make some sort of material out of giraffe dung? Or does she just want to wear the giraffe crap Ugh. as a necklace? Oh, I'm assuming it's petrified. And I'm petrified. <laughs> What a crappy idea for a necklace. Hi-oh! Oh! Wah, wah, wah. 
Um, is there a market out there for uh, necklaces made from giraffe feces? This woman from Kenya must think so. And the thing is, it's technically not illegal what? to bring giraffe feces over, but you have to be a veterinarian. Oh, okay. So if you're a vet, you can take all the crap from all the animals in the world and bring it back for the sake of science. If you want to wear it as a necklace, we got a problem. I'm stunned. Wow. I don't know what to say there. Uh, ring. Ring doorbells, you know? Ring. Oh, yeah. The is, camera, is the whole nine. Yeah. They're offering a million dollars if someone's doorbell camera catches actual footage of aliens and you have until November 3rd to submit. Are you okay with this? Yes, because I'm putting a team together similar to Ocean's Eleven, and we're going to rig this contest, and we're going to win it. The way that AI is right now, there's no doubt that we could come up with some sort of video and submit it to Ring and say, listen, I saw aliens last night. It was either Joe Biden at my front door or somebody from another planet. (laughs) And I got a funny feeling it wasn't Joe Biden. So this has got scandal written all over it. Years from now, we're going to watch some sort of Netflix documentary, like the way the McDonald's Monopoly game was crooked. Oh, yeah, rigged. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to see it about this Ring doorbell situation where somebody's (laughs) going to claim... They saw an alien in their camera. <laughs> now, the other question I have is, what if it's an illegal alien? Hey-oh! Does that count? <laughs> Can you take him to court and say, you didn't specify it has to be somebody from another planet? If an MS-13 member breaks into your house, does that count? Right. Sure. I want Ring to give me a million bucks if I identify an MS-13 illegal alien oh. from Venezuela. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Hammer Nigel Show. My name is uh, Nigel Jason Hammer right over there. We'll go straight to the hotline and bring on uh, best-selling author of Breaking the News. Alex Marlowe is uh, editor-in-chief of Breitbart. He's got a new book out called Breaking Biden. Alex, the last time you are on with us, you couldn't really say much about this book, but now you're back. Welcome to the uh, Hammer Nigel Show. Uh, guys, you were the first two people I thought of when I was thinking about making the rounds on radio and talking to some of my old friends. Uh, you guys are such great supporters, and uh, looking forward to this. Well, okay, so tell us about – of course, we're going to ask you probably some about some of the breaking news this week as well, but let's hit the book first. Uh, what is Breaking Biden? What is it about, and what do you want people to know? So I had a hunch, a theory, a, a hypothesis that all of us walk around in conservative media and we think we understand Joe Biden. He's a bumbling guy, he's a puppet, and he's some sort of an idiot, and he's kind of lucked in the job. And it sort of dawned on me, well, then why does this guy keep beating us all the time? Why does he keep getting elected? Why does he keep getting his agenda through? How does he keep surviving scandal after scandal? How come his family has been hauled in? And I thought that, you know what, I need to pursue this as a research project and eventually turned into a book. And in the book, I realized that you think you know everything about Joe Biden. You know nothing about Joe Biden. I knew nothing about him, relatively speaking, when I started to look into him. Uh, I had assumed, like everyone else, that he was probably, you know, just puppeteered around and was probably very dumb. Uh, I learned that he's, first of all, he's got a real fastball and he's got a real ability to be able to give his base what it wants. He does it pretty much as well as anyone, and that's how he's had such 
longevity. Uh, I learned he's got, just got tremendous rhinoceros skin. He's very tough in terms of he doesn't take crap from people. And even beyond that, what he does is he doesn't insult and demean and break relationships with people who could help him down the road. Now, that's very savvy. It's not, it's not a dumb guy move. But we've been fooled because he says crazy stuff. But I went back, guys. The craziest stuff he ever said was in the 70s. And I document some of it in the, in the book. It's just insane where he's talking to journalists about sex fantasies with his recently deceased wife. Insane stuff that wow. none of us would ever say in private. And he says it to journalists. So that that connect that to the crazy stuff he says this week. And you think, oh, yeah, he's always been this way. And he keeps figuring out a way to come out on top. And more importantly, to get all sorts of illicit cash from around the world funneled into his family's coffers. So I looked into his corruption and I looked into his record. And every place I looked, I found new details, many of them shocking. And I found that his record is worse in every case imaginable. There's not one instance in the book during my research where I thought Joe is a great guy or a better guy or more skilled other than his ability to operate the levers of power in Washington. And I think it's an important story because if we don't internalize this stuff, he's going to beat us again if we're not careful. Alex Jason Hammer here. And you're right. Something Nigel and I have talked about for a long time is it isn't you know new that Joe Biden's been a horrible person. He's been yeah. this way for a long time. Forever. He, yeah. he said horrible things going back to his time coming up through the political ranks. But one of the chapters in your book is called The Biden Business. I still have no idea what the Biden business is. Yeah. I see grandkids <laughs> getting payouts from oligarchs overseas. Uh, there are sister-in-laws involved here. What the hell is the Biden business? Yeah, that is the right question to ask, because there's no specific business per se. The business is government. The business is Joe Biden's career. That's how the family makes money. Uh, and you can see it. You can take examples such as um, you know, Jim Biden. Jim Biden is a perfect example. He's one of Joe's younger brothers. He's got two of them. Uh, and one of the things that's most noteworthy about Jim is that he has made money doing all sorts of different things, from nightclub ownership to international real estate and international construction. And his career has taken him all around the world uh, with deep connections to the effing spy chief of China. That's Hunter's words, not mine, who made his first call after he got arrested by the FBI to Jim Biden. Isn't that kind of odd wow. that that would be the first person who would get a call from the effing spy chief of China, a guy who used to run nightclubs? Uh, it, of course, it doesn't make any sense. He's not qualified to do any of the things he's hired to do, yet he's been hired all around the world. He was doing, uh, he was doing commercial construction in Iraq. He is no connection to commercial construction or to Iraq. Um, one of the things that was very noteworthy in the book that was just uh, kind of gross to read about was Frank Biden, who got a big piece about this afternoon at Breitbart News that people are not going to want to miss. Um, he got involved in this company called Mavericks, which was an education initiative in Florida. Uh, Frank has no connection to education, but he saw that the uh, various governments, uh, particularly the Obama-Biden administration, was going to pursue a favorable policy for, for charter schools schools, and he saw a way to get money sent to him. So he starts this charter school business. All of a sudden, he's flying around in a private plane. The kids are suffering. No one's learning in any of his schools, and they eventually get shut down. But he's got time to hobnob with the rich and famous in private planes. I mean, can you say without a doubt, after all the research you've done, this we're speaking with Alex Marlowe, uh, Breaking Biden is the book. I mean, is Joe Biden overall <laughs> the most corrupt president in the history of the United States of America? Uh, there's no question he's the most corrupt. It's not even close. Wow. And it, it is there, there, 
no one who would even dare to be this brazen. Uh, and if they were, they wouldn't have had this longevity. And this is a scary question to ask because the only reason this is possible is because we've gotten anesthetized to it. We've gotten numb to yes. the corruption. And some of the stuff that I've reported in the book uh, thus far, and I, I've only trickled out a little bit. There's 1,600 endnotes. I mean, there's something I would think virtually every page you're going to learn something if you pick up the book. Uh, but I put in a, a couple of my favorites out at, at Breitbart News, and I'm noticing that there is, even though there's a huge response and the audience is terrific, your audience is terrific, yes. uh, conservative media is amazing, but I'm, I'm noticing a little bit of a fatigue over bombshells because we've seen so many horrible things done by the Bidens. Interesting. And I, and I'm hoping people snap out of this because if we get fatigued and we get numb to it and we don't get fired up in the next 13 months, he is going to win again. And that is going to be a major problem because that just codifies all the stuff that's in the book. And you know what? Two, two, two of my biggest issues uh, that I'm worried about as an American citizen is our energy production and the southern border, which both you write about in uh, Breaking Biden. And both of those things, Joe Biden has completely decimated. Absolutely. The energy one is is really important, and it's really sort of the centerpiece of the Biden administration is his energy policies, which are uh, almost all designed to uh, not help the American people get cheap and abundant energy, which is the thing that will drive our prices down and lead to more innovation, um, et cetera. <clears throat> his focus has been on appeasing the green left, because that's his main goal in life, is to make sure that that, gate, that, that, that constituent that base constituency is always with him. And their number one issue is climate change. So Joe has to do stuff that he knows is going to hurt the economy and he knows is going to hurt the American people, like he has to stop drilling, like he has to abandon drilling in the Anwar, like he has to suspend fracking uh, uh, leases. All of that stuff hurts Americans in our pocketbook, but what it does do is solidifies the base so that they don't stray away from Joe. But there's downstream consequences. Uh, if you look at, and I trace in the book, the invasion, of uh, um, of Ukraine by Russia yeah. and Joe's culpability for much of it. One of the things that you can't deny is that Joe, by not drilling in America, makes every oil-rich nation more powerful, including Russia. So they can jack up their rates for oil, and they can use it to fund wars. Uh, why no one points this out wow. is stunning to me, but I think people are kind of uh, – people do get tuned out. They get tuned out a little bit, and I'm hoping this book brings us back and focuses us. Alex Marlowe is our guest. The book, Breaking Biden. Make sure you check it out. Alex, before we let you go, I want to get your thoughts on what we've seen with the Speaker of the House. Nigel and I were on the air live when all of this stuff was playing out, and my initial reaction was, this is pretty chaotic. And talking heads on television, print media, they keep telling you how chaos this is, and this is such a horrible look. But man, the more I sit back and think about it, if it's either Scalise or Jim Jordan, and this happens within a week, I don't necessarily believe that that's chaos, per se. Where are you at? Yeah, I'm definitely more on the chaos side. Um, okay. This is something that, that I don't alienate the audience who is loving what I was saying. I was thinking of buying the book, and now they don't trust me. I, I, I really <laughs> hope that, they, but, but I want to be authentic. Um, I think uh, Kevin McCarthy had a very tough job. I, I was never a fan of his when he was more of an establishmentarian. Um, but I really think more than any other House entity that I've seen, he's he tried his best to try to uh, work with the base as much as he could while doing the impossible. 
impossible task of negotiating with 400 and some odd egomaniacs every day uh, to try to get stuff done. And so I, I wasn't in a rush to kick him out because I feel like things often get worse when when you get greedy. Um, and so th- th- that was my thought uh, originally. And I'm spending time every day, particularly this week, trying to get attention to the most corrupt president in American history, who's not just president now, but is on the ballot again. So his son is on the ropes. He's on the ropes. His poll numbers stink. I want to talk about Joe Biden. I don't want to talk about this stuff. And yet, because Matt Gates, who I have a lot of nice things to say about Matt Gates, but had a personal animosity against Kevin McCarthy because he allows for this ethics investigation in the gate to go on, he decides we're putting our foot down now. Then all of a sudden, the focus shifts to Republican chaos. No, I don't jive with any of that. All of that annoys the crap out of me. But I will say, to your point, if Scalise gets in quick or if Jordan gets in quick, it, it, it will we'll be fine. We'll move on. Things will be okay. Maybe they'll even be better. So I can live with it. Alex Marlowe, editor-in-chief of Breitbart and author of the brand-new book, Breaking Biden. It is available everywhere. Are you getting um, are, are you getting shadow banned at all, uh, like from places like Amazon or anything like that? Oh, or, I love or, this question. I love this question because it's, I, I, I get so excited about the topics that I, I forget about the call to arms, the call to action. Yes. It, it, everyone is trying to suppress this book. The media Media keeps writing how Biden books are bombing. Uh, this book has been uh, in the top 100 on Amazon for ma- many, many days, maybe 10 days or so. People want this book. They're trying to buy this book. It's one of the top nonfiction books uh, in the country. It'll be one of the top five or six best-selling nonfiction books in the country this week. Uh, it's a people want this book, and there's no discussion of it aside from conservative media. And I want it to break out of that ecosystem. The media will not cover it. They will not cover the bombshells. They will ignore it. They want it suppressed. The tech world will try to suppress it. And it's the only way to beat it, the only way to uh, combat that is to spread the word. And that's what I would love for this audience to do. If you don't just pick up one copy, you pick up one and hand it to a liberal or a moderate in your life. I would love that. If you see something you like online that I'm sharing, uh, you share it yourself. Tell someone about it. Talk about it over the weekend. That means a lot to me because that can help us get out of just the usual ecosystem. I am uh, getting ready to go on vacation. I will be purchasing the audio Portion. I know you like the hardcover sales, but uh, I'm going to be I walking love around. The audio sales? No, no, no. I'm not a snob about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, this audience loves you, uh, Alex. You go way back with this audience. Um, Greg Garrison, uh, Counselor Garrison, sends his regards, and I, I love your analysis. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. Best of luck with the book, guys. Let's do it more often. Thank you so much. Right now, Cameron and Nigel present oh, oh, oh. Uh, beer sample. Fry. Yeah. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down, get you some. Brought to you by our friends at Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer over there. Beer Sample Friday. It's pretty simple. We um, we sample beer live on the air. Sometimes bars bring us their beers. Sometimes breweries bring us their beers. Sometimes Hammer and Nigel fans yes. bring us their beers, right? And that was the case today. A gentleman who 
probably was supposed to be doing something else at the time. Uh, Jeff, we'll just it'll say we'll just call him Jeff. He came downtown um, and Dude. brought us a little something something from one of my favorite places. So again, I'm a pretty domestic drinker, right? But I love the Glarus Company from Wisconsin, the people yeah. that make Spotted Cow. New Glarus, they're amazing. I've never been, but I'd love to go to that brewery. And we've got one of the samples from this brewery. This is uh, two women. That's the name of the beer, two women, right? So there's, I know I don't know. Like, just, I think it's just a lager or something like that. Okay, well, if we're gonna do this, let's do it right. Can I get uh, the guy from Office Space? Two chicks at the same time, man. <laughs> There we go. That's popped open. Let me pour you a little something, something here. Nice. I do not know the story behind the name Two Chicks, but. Two Chicks at the same time, man. Works for me. Let's get mm. the weekend rolling, everybody. Yes. The weekend mm, is good. officially underway. Cheers, Indianapolis. Cheers, everybody. Oh, that hits the spot. That hits the spot.